0: Hello and welcome to Argue the Toss at GameIndustry.com. I'm Shella.
1: And I'm Drew. And together we're arguing about the things that really matter in games and films
0: and stuff. Indeed we are. And it is Season 4, Episode 20. Indeed it is. Um, So what are we discussing this episode, Drew?
1: Okay, well, we've um, been to see a film. It's been been quite a while since we've done a film episode, isn't it? Yeah, it has. We've actually sort of stuck to the original brief and done a a lot of games recently, but uh, no, we're back back to the cinema. Uh, We've (laughs) been to see um, Bad Times at the El Royale which came out, I think it came out in America a little bit earlier than this, but it came out here this week. Yeah. And uh, we, I think we've had our kind of eye on this since we first saw the trailer because it just looked kind of, it looked stunning in the trailer and it had such a great cast, so I think it, yeah. it attracted us right away. And, uh, yeah, we went to see it uh, a couple of days ago.
0: Yeah. It's kind of, uh, it's a bit of a funny one because we went to, so we went to see to the cinema to see something else and saw the trailer for this yeah and then went to see hotel artemis thinking it was this film because <laughs> i was like oh isn't there another hotel one and you're like no this is it and i was like oh okay and then he, who did you think was in it i, um, like, I thought
1: it was josh brolin I, thought, yeah. I could have sworn I'd seen josh brolin in in the trailer but no it's just it's kind of just jeff bridges hiding behind a, a quite massive beard
0: beard yeah so it was really weird this became this kind of phantom film which we didn't know existed yeah. <laughs> <or> not <laughs> until we found the trailer again so we watched hotel artemis thinking oh well that was obviously that film and um and then uh we were like oh that's disappointing because that film looked really good and then bad times at the el royale did actually exist and now we've seen it. <laughs> and it's actually better than Hotel Artemis. So, <laughs>
1: yeah, I think yeah, I agree with you on that point. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think we both really loved this film. It kind of mm-hmm. uh, spoke very directly to our, our sensibilities. Yeah, so, yeah,
0: yeah. So. Um, yeah. So it's um, it's a neo noir. Um, the the basic premise is four people arrive at a hotel each with something to hide. Um, that's not the um extent of the cast there are additional characters involved but that's the the very basic premise um yeah. and uh yeah so it's like a situational um sort of neo-noir thriller basically yeah um, that's,
1: that's absolutely it. it uh i mean it kind of starts out with uh our sort of primary four characters arriving or i guess already being at the hotel mm-hmm. um oh no no they're...
0: no it actually starts with that flashback doesn't it
1: it does yes it starts with a a, a really sort of well choreographed mm. uh intro sequence which is all all timed to the music in in like kind of the same way baby driver was which i really enjoyed um and then yeah it moves on to our i think it's 10 years later something like that mm-hmm. all of our current characters yeah. arriving at the hotel and um yeah, it, it does a very good job of immediately establishing the geography and the kind of setting and premise and style of the hotel. It does that straight up front and immediate. And that that's really good because the the hotel itself kind of plays a part in the entire.
0: Yeah, it, it,
1: it's cliché to call it an extra character, but that's kind of what it is. And by yeah. defining it so early, it, it it's really easy to hang the rest of the story off it.
0: Yeah, because it's the other thing that has something to hide. Yes, the hotel because it's everyone in this has something to hide or all the guests do um so yeah it's uh it is a yeah like you say <laughs> cliche but it is another character in the yeah. film um so yeah I mean like you said one of the things that really attracted us was the uh the cast mm-hmm. um, and uh yeah so it's he's got John Hamm in it which is a massive tick for me so I'm a huge mad men fan which mm-hmm. um you know and then just followed John Hamm from there and he he's he's made good choices he makes interesting stuff generally um yeah he was in baby driver so he obviously likes that kind of stylish kind of yeah. tense um kind of tightly written stuff um and he's just always delightful to watch. He's always having fun. <laughs> it just yeah, feels like, he, like,
1: especially in this film, he's kind of full on John Hamm in this one. This is sort of yeah. the perfect role for him, and he sinks into it with with like such sort of practiced Lee. ease that you can yeah, just yeah. yeah he, he's yeah. a real fun watching this one.
0: Yeah, he is. Um, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges just gets better and better and better <laughs> yeah. and better. Just <laughs> like wondering. a fine
1: wine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's he is. so
0: good um, and then um, Chris Hemsworth is the other sort of big name in it yeah. um, but he's not one of the, the four central characters um, so the other people aren't as well known um, no so there's um, um, a black lead woman called Cynthia, Cynthia Erivo Yep. Um, and we were talking before, and you said that she's um largely from theatre. Um,
1: yeah.
0: But she was really fantastic. Um, she's kind of the heart of the thing. Yeah. Um,
1: she, she's kind of the. She plays this like really really wonderful soul singer and she gets mm. a, a few opportunities to like really show off her voice and she is and, mm. I, and i'm assuming it's her and i don't think it was dubbed or anything i'm, I'm no. assuming it was yeah. her voice if I she's a, it. a western yeah. singer anyway and she yeah. is absolutely fantastic and the scenes she gets where she gets to show off her voice are, yeah. uh a just really fun to watch and be Really well integrated into the film, they are. Very, yeah, yeah. They're, they're not just Tense. cut aside to show no. off. they are integrated with the plot of the film, and they work fantastically well.
0: They do. They're really fantastic. Um, and then the other is it Dakota Johnson who's the other main lead? Dakota someone. To, yeah, with no the idea. with the. I don't I don't know her either. But um, no. oh, and then there was the the the. the uh, Receptionist guy.
1: Receptionist played by Lewis Pullman, who, like, while I was watching him, I was wondering if it was Tom Holland because they share a, a certain physical resemblance, I think. Uh-huh. But no, he's actually not been in all that much. He's Bill Pullman's son, and oh, okay. uh, he, yeah, in this he plays a kind of slightly lazy, slightly kind of lackadaisical. Neurotic.
0: <laughs> kind of, yeah yeah he's he's just in a rundown hotel well it's not rundown but it's on it, living on uh former glory yeah. so it used to be the sort of bolt hole for you know the rat pack and stuff like that yeah. um and so now he's just attending this kind of dead hotel that once was a thing on yeah. lake tahoe um so he's yeah just sleeping on the job pretty much yeah <laughs> yeah um, and but...
1: he's he's like fantastic in it as well. He starts off with what you think is going to be a fairly minor role, but he does keep recurring, yeah. and his role builds over the course of the film into something really interesting, which I think he pulls off really, really well.
0: Yeah, I do. And the, th- the thing is, they sort of sub- subvert those characters, the characters you think they're going to be at the beginning, mm. yes. um, which is really interesting. Um, and he is one of those characters. Like, we've all seen the jaded uh, hotel reception guy manager stroke whatever and you know it turns out his backstory is really interesting and that's one of my favorite things about this film is um you know it can be compared to the hateful eight which i do love i think it's um possibly my favorite tarantino film because it's just again got that really tight one situation um eight people um what makes this film, I think, more interesting in the end is the characters that have been drawn are just... Um, they're just more interesting. The yes. characters' connections are more interesting. Um, the the eight kind of falls back on what you'd expect from that kind of uh, sort of Western kind of stick with sort of gangs and sheriffs and mm-hmm. whatnot. Whereas this is you you don't know who they're going to be because when one character's revealed fairly early on, um, you're like, Oh, okay. And it's like, Oh, so what does that make the rest of these people? Cause you, you think that they've all got a connection somehow. And yeah, yeah so it starts um, sort of coloring uh, your expectations as each character is revealed. And I just thought that was really interesting. Um, and yeah, it's directed by Drew Goddard who, you know, has uh, pedigree, shall we say, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, when it comes to good writing, and I think that it's clear that he approached this as a as a writer. I think. Um, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it's sort of very well structured in the way it does its reveals and the way mm-hmm. that, that the film ultimately ties together in something that is. Earned and believable by the earlier plot, but still completely unexpected. Not quite mm-hmm. where you thought things were going to go. It's, yeah. re- it's really good in the first couple of acts at misleading the audience, not in a sort of deceptive way, but just mm-hmm. kind of making you think that this is going somewhere where it actually mm-hmm. w- where it isn't. And yeah. Yeah, it's just very well structured. And and the thing is, it's it's sort of a more relaxed watch. It's something you can get. Partly because of the aesthetic of the Royale, which is just really fantastic and the way it's shot and the way it's very sort of a a comfortable thing to watch. Mm -hmm. You can relax in it in a way that you can't in The Hateful Eight, which is kind of of out of necessity, sort of saturated in that Tarantino sort of edginess and, and... You know, he wants to get his badass moments in there. Yeah, impending kind of carnage. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is, yeah, it's much more, yeah, like you say, sort of laid back. It's much more lounge, (laughs) which is the aesthetic and Mm. everything. It's, yeah, that sort of, that mood. Um, Yeah. And um, in terms of, um, yeah, well, do we want to talk more about the characters before i sort of jump on yeah yeah um oh it's going to be hard to talk about the characters specifically because this is a film that, because everybody's got something to hide mm. um it is quite difficult to go into things too much yeah. <laughs> without revealing things
1: i, I mean um, when we were talking about this sort of uh, the actors that appeared in the film, I think we didn't kind of describe what their characters uh, mm-hmm. were okay. at the time. So, so we can start with sort of Jeff Bridges, who I think is the closest thing that we get to a protagonist. Um, he, he So he sort of um, begins uh, as... Uh, he, we we see him just kind of standing in the parking lot at the beginning and um, the... Well, what's the name of this whole thing? A character. Uh, Darlene, Darlene. Yeah. Darlene, she just kind of interacts interrupts him and brings him out of kind of like a haze and they have a, a kind of uh back and forth conversation he plays he's a priest who is uh checking into the um the royal for reasons unknown i think they're all kind of reasons unknown or reasons that they're not quite ready to admit mm-hmm. um and yeah it's just he does he does that so well he has the sort of the kind of, with a, a big beard, he's got those wise eyes, which he's kind of carried since, like, since the big Lebowski, really. It, it, he does a really good job of that, and when his, sort of, background is revealed, he does a really great job of, kind of, adapting one into the other and, kind of, there is a reason that he can't quite split the two parts of his, uh, his mm-hmm. sort of, personality. It's, yeah, it's difficult to talk about this without going into spoilers, but... Yeah. Uh, but he does it... I'd
0: forgotten about that. Yeah, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, he does a, a really good job of kind of... A character who is struggling with a duality, which he he doesn't quite understand himself. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, yeah, I just yeah. thought he was really fantastic in that. Yeah. So he, it's a role suited to him.
0: Yeah. And, um, yeah, so the other... I said... I'd say the sort of main player um, yeah. is Darlene. Yes. Um,
1: um, I misspoke when I said protagonist, but I mean, uh, yeah, there's not really a protagonist. I'd I'd say he's kind of the lead. Uh, yeah, male. Um, yeah, yeah, lead male. Yeah, I guess it it is more of an ensemble than a, a protagonist yeah.
0: cast. But it's definitely Darlene and Father Daniel or yeah. Daniels. Um. Yeah, I'd. I'd yeah, it's it's a hard call between who is the protagonist between those two. Yeah. Um, um, so she is um, yeah, just a uh, a singer. That's all we know about her, really. Um, at a hotel, put checks into a hotel. That's pretty much it. But yeah, it's re- it's really hard because mm-hmm. you can't um. <laughs> To say anything more than that is to reveal too much, really. Yeah, um, um, yeah and there are sort of elements of me too to her story which is really interesting the way they brought brought that in mm-hmm. um and then there's this great moment where she um takes off her wig <laughs> um yeah. which you know sort of <clears throat> as a as a black woman is a real sort of like statement of like right now shit is going down <laughs> and like yeah i've had enough of this and so yeah so she uh goes through the rest of the film with her short, uh, natural um, hair, which was just really cool. And especially in that that setting, it's set in 1969. So, um, you know, the sort of glossy Supreme style wig is, you know, Mm -hmm. what we see her with. And then she removes that when when stuff is getting real. And um, I thought that was just a really cool moment. And she's just a really uh, quietly strong character but she's not just that she's funny and, and you know beautiful and she's got this incredible voice as well um yeah and she brings this real heart to it um yeah especially cuz you're not sure what she is you know whether she's some sort of spy or undercover or what you know it's just mm-hmm. like yeah it's really interesting trying to figure out who what she is or is she just a a woman who's wrapped up in this thing by accident. She's just checked into yeah. a hotel, so yeah. Um, then I mean,
1: then... I don't, we we sort of talked briefly about John Ham's character as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, yeah. It, it's weird to discuss his character because he kind of so he arrives at kind of after these first two as this very loquacious, very kind of talkative vacuum cleaner salesman.
0: Yeah, sort of and, southern. A yeah. Southern gent <laughs> saying, oh, what, what
1: is it he keeps, he, like, he keeps his, uh, accoutrement. Talk, his accoutrement He keeps talking about His, his, his luggage, luggage accoutrement I've staked my claim there <laughs> Please do not mess with my accoutrement, <laughs> accoutrement.
0: And,
1: <laughs> and since when The the, uh, the main characters Originally arrived at the El Royale It doesn't seem to be anyone there Mm-hmm. He sort of shows up, and he kind of starts explaining it to them. So he's mm-hmm. a, and he's very kind of he like steals the first uh, le- the first act. He is amazing mm-hmm. at what he does. He just sort of the camera sort of just focuses entirely on him and uh, Jeff Bridges, and uh... yeah,
0: sort of follows him around, doesn't it? Whilst they're yeah, standing and kind bewildered, of...
1: yeah, and, yeah, he's uh, kind yeah, of he's larger
0: just... than life, isn't he?
1: he is and he's just great fun to watch in 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 that particular scene and, and the follow-ups that he
0: has mm-hmm. yeah um what was i gonna say oh i can't remember what else i was gonna say about that character Oh uh, yeah so he yeah he's the one that actually knows the hotel yes. um as well so he knows the kind of history of the hotel so he lays out that whole uh sort of story of the hotel and how once it was you know this fantastic place and um yeah and he's kind of nabbed the the honeymoon suite because you know the company's paying so (laughs) um yeah so he's he sets that up the kind of history of the hotel and um, stuff which is quite interesting um so um and the sort of the last sort of of the four guests who arrive um, is um, a character. We don't know her name um, until later on. Um, and it's quite neat the way we find out their names is when they sign the uh, the guest register. Yeah. Um, which is a very sort of Tarantino-esque mm-hmm. uh, way of finding something like that out. Um, it 's quite neat, but she just writes Fuck off instead yeah. of anything so um and that 's the Dakota johnson character and she 's um she's when she comes in she 's got the sort of easy rider style jacket um so it 's really interesting how the characters represent the era we 're in um and this is neo noir and how um you know sort of noir. Died in like 1958, um, 1958, 1959, um, and then it's like 10 years later. Um, and so you've got these characters who are still in the 60s, but then you've got these characters who are like the sort of represent the hippie era. Mm. Um, so it's like this shift. Um, in cinematic terms as well so I think it's really interesting she's one of those characters that represents this kind of new generation um, so she's sort of in flared jeans and the suede tassel jacket and stuff and she's obviously very counterculture because she just wrote fuck off in the guest book yeah. <laughs> the guest register um, so yeah so she's like the other half of the film and the characters um so yeah she brings that in at the beginning which kind of plays out as the film goes on and particularly in um, the, the third act yeah um which brings us on to chris hemsworth and his character also represents that kind of um shift um from the era of the noir um and the sort of the the sort of period of America we're in where sort of basically everyone who was good is dead, <laughs> <Yeah>. so, so <laughs> Martin Luther King and um, uh, um president kennedy um they 're all dead by this point, and um you know uh Malcolm X and um so he is like this sort of the he kind of represents the loss the end of innocence of america the summer of love is Mm -hmm. dead and it's moving um towards the sort of um sort of charles manson kind of era where the sort of um the hippie movement has like this darker undertone um and stuff so i think it's really interesting the way they play with that um Of being a neo-noir film but also representing um that shift um yeah in sort of cinematic periods as well it's really cool yeah
1: Um, i mean just to to be specific about it because i don't think you mentioned it he plays like a kind of hippie cult leader mm -hmm. which is yeah which is it's kind of the sort of flower children's or free love kind of hippie commune but the, it's immediately apparent that he's kind of the dark heart of that and he's kind of yeah. just very egotistical and mm-hmm. it, it, the cult is primarily about him
0: yeah yeah um yeah and he i mean i like i was thinking this when i was watching the film and we talked about it on the walk home is um like if this film had been made i don't ten fifteen years ago, um it would have been Brad Pitt in that role mm. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It's like um I could have seen Brad Pitt really kind of running away with that yes. um with that character and being probably more iconic. I mean I like Chris mm. Hemsworth um you know he's very charming, um he looks good and all that sort of thing, but I just didn't feel he quite uh Sold it to me, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. There right. was just something. He was just wasn't quite as charismatic as someone like a Brad yeah. Pitt would have been in a, in that role. But um, he's still a cool character, and he did a good job.
1: Yeah, it's difficult for me to untangle him from the other stuff I've seen him in, which is basically just uh, Thor and Cabin in the Woods, where he always (laughs) kind of plays. Oh, and the Ghostbusters remake, which he is fantastic. Sort of lunk. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Um, and he's just yeah, he's just this very kind of cheerful, friendly. Yeah, that is the thing. Upfront guy, and I get the sense that that's what he's like in real life as well. Yeah, like special features. I so I. I'm, I'm sure he did a great job with what he was given in El Royale, but it just doesn't fit on him. Yeah, me.
0: it's the, the darkness doesn't yeah. quite... Yeah, he's uh, he's not quite there. <laughs> he can't no. quite bring it out. He's probably too nice. Yeah. I think that you're right. That's what it is. He's a bit too kind of... Um, I know he's Australian, but kind of all-American yeah. kind of um, look to him. But... Um, uh, yeah, but I loved his scenes and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I guess it kind of goes on to the visuals if we talk about um, the because vi- this film looked freaking <laughs> yeah, gorgeous. <so> gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was absolutely lush. Um, the cinematographer is um, Seamus McGarvey.
1: McGarvey.
0: Okay. Familiar name, so he... but I'm
1: not sure what he's done.
0: Okay, so he did Nocturnal Animals, um, which was the second film by Tom Ford. Uh, and Tom Ford's films are really, really beautiful and right. sparse and spare. Um, he also did Atonement, which looked amazing. He did The Avengers. Uh, um, and he, need, he did We Need to Talk About Kevin, which was okay. um, really um, great looking as well. And also had these kind of lush reds um and yeah so i was reading up about it and um it was it was shot on film they were very specific about that they had to really fight um to shoot on film and they it's because they wanted to get these really rich colors um particularly the red which is something that really stands out in those scenes in the rain outside in the rain at night it's um it just looks gorgeous. It has really what strong colour palettes, doesn't it? And
1: Yeah. How depressing is it that they have to fight to film stuff on film now? Because it's, yeah. it's, it's always so much better.
0: Yeah, it's expensive, apparently, is one of the things. Yeah. And I guess they have to store it or something? I don't know. <laughs> well, I
1: mean, it's not like they don't make digital copies of it anyway. When it gets to yeah. us, it's digitised. But yeah, yeah. It, just, it just always looks so much better to shoot stuff on film.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, so I thought that was interesting and yeah, and they said also for the for the time period, it just worked better to represent that time period, especially the flashback stuff, um. So yeah and then again in terms of yeah my obsession with cuz I'm such a film noir <laughs> nerd um so yeah I thought again they kind of did that with um Chris Hemsworth's character when we have the the flashbacks to um him what he's all about and um he meets this um one character for the first time and the first time we're introduced to him he's um a silhouette in sort of like bathed in lens flare Mm. um which again is that kind of that shift of film which is kind of why the sort of like stylized film noir sort of studio films kind of died because it was you know the beginning of uh, French New Wave and then you got films like Easy Rider and so it was playing again into that kind of theme of like the, the shift in sort of um generations and i thought it was really cool the way they used that um kind of visual and then there's that other iconic bit with him in this field of golden flowers (laughs) because we don't know who he is in that first shot on the on the on the beach but then we know exactly who he is he's like sort of got no shirt on and he's in this kind of christ pose walking through this um field of golden flowers with sort of like topless hippie girls following behind him people just drifting along behind him and it's um kind of echoed i thought it echoed oliver stone's the doors and you know it was he was very sort of jim morrison Morrison, kind yeah kind of aesthetic and it's like he's like oh okay i've got this guy (laughs) straight away I mean if
1: you are a, a Hemsworth fan, you'll be pleased to know that he spends quite a lot of time with no shirt on in this film. Yeah. yeah or <laughs>
0: even when his shirt is on, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's open not quite to on. the no <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not quite on. But it was a very nice shirt. It was just a plain white shirt, but it was a really nice shirt. Mm. But, yeah. So um Yeah, so I don't know. The visuals do you wanna talk about the hotel?
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, I think we've we, we've sort of mentioned how kind of like it's it's very the the gimmick of it is it's kind of half in Nevada and half in California, so it's kind of split down the middle by a big red line. And one side is in one color scheme, and one side is a different color scheme. One side kind of has a bunch of gambling machines on it; one of them doesn't. You can serve kind of alcohol on one side; you can't on the other. But it's it's just very sort of, as soon as you come into the main lobby, you see how kind of richly colourful it is, and how you immediately get a sense of how vibrant it could be, if only for the fact that there's nobody there.
0: <laughs> Which, yeah.
1: It's, it's just got this really, this place just kind of feels like it's yearning to be used. It's yearning to be full of, like. People walking around and enjoying the facilities. It's just very strict. Because it's not even as if it's gotten dusty. That's not the look they have gone for. It's still maintained the way it is. And it's still clean. It's still gorgeous. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just uh, really... the, The lobby in particular is just really sumptuous and pretty and well coloured and then as the structure of the hotel is, I'm, I'm miming it in midair with my hands if that means anything uh, <laughs> then the, the kind of structure of it is what you've got two kind of branches coming off the um, uh, the main hotel and as you come out to the ends of the branches where it's less maintained it just becomes slowly and steadily more dingy and mm-hmm. more uncared for and he, the the, the Bellboy outright says, oh, well, the rooms at the end, we haven't bothered cleaning those, so you can't mm. have those ones. Yeah, and It's interesting, as you go out from that centre, it just becomes more and more of a really kind of grimy, horrible place. Mm. It's just yeah. very well kind of thematically constructed, I think.
0: Yeah, like everything in this film, I just think, the more I think about it, the more I see in it, um, mm. yeah, so, as I was making notes, it's yeah, um it was really cool. Of course, the sort of... Uh, Uh, sort of split personality of the hotel um it you know reflects the characters and you know their central conflicts and the things they're hiding and uh, the things they have to face by the end um yeah um the the plot (laughs) Uh, (laughs) we've kind of covered the the
1: Yeah, we've covered a lot of it. I don't think we want to go with it too heavily no. into to what the is. number one, not to spoil anything. But number two, because it doesn't really matter all that much. No. It it is interesting. It's a it's a it's a grip I don't mean to disparage it in that way. It's kind of got that that Cohen Brothers or that Fargo energy where uh-huh. like the the plot is about kind of vaguely unrelated people just ha- happening to clash, and it, like it it all boils down to one kind of strange coincidence, from mm-hmm. which everyone kind of gets drawn into a yeah. a conflict that could otherwise be avoided. And th- there is like one thing that could could have gone right, and everyone would have been fine. But because it didn't mm-hmm. go right, now everything. Uh, Everything yeah. kind of goes up in flames. Yeah, it, yeah. Which is one of my kind of favorite kind of stories. It, they they can sort of be overused and be annoying if if you watch too many of them in a row. But I thought it worked really well here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, just to get my one last <laughs> noir thing in. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's it's like because. Well, the, the central thing of noir is the sort of fatalism that yeah. affects, afflicts the, the the characters. I mean, people think that noir is about sort of Venetian blinds and trilbies and, I don't know, rainy L.A. nights or something, mm. but it's about this, it's about characters trying to escape their fate and that constant struggle of, you know, trying to, I don't know, be the good person. Um, Get out of uh, organized crime, or mm. save the girl, or whatever it is. Um, and yeah. um, I really like the way they've made that the sort of the central thing for all of the characters. But then how their fates kind of intersect with other people's, and yeah. then how it kind of draws them back to, you know, their ultimate fate. Um, it's just really neat. It's just really um, neatly written, and then that's carried through to the directing, the setting, um, you know, the cinematography, everything. It's just um, it's just a really neat, cool film. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um,
1: the... Yeah, like, I I really enjoyed it as well. I, I, I went into it expecting to kind of mildly enjoy it. He had sort of, I think, read mixed reviews, and mm. I was taken off guard by how much I really liked it. It, it does kind of... Suit my tastes very specifically, so I think I w- I would yeah. enjoy it mo- more than a lot of people more would, more than average. Yeah, yeah, me too.
0: I mean, this is my jam. It's just yes, like exactly. this is my kind of film. But yeah, so. it's
1: really well made, and uh, yeah, I would recommend it to anyone who sort of likes neo noir or um, yeah. S- s- you know or the like
0: Cohen brothers, Coen or... brothers, or like the yeah. Hateful Eight. If you, if you if yeah. you saw the
1: Hateful Eight and want the same thing just a bit more easygoing, this is uh-huh. this is the film for you. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's really I... good. Two thumbs up from me.
0: Yeah, me too. Um apparently, it's got um, Manny Jacinto in it, who's Jason from The Good Place. <laughs>
1: I don't like so that. Well, who is he? I've got to look he's at a, it.
0: He's a named character.
1: <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> uh, that, one of the cameos I did like was uh, Nick Offerman at the beginning. Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation is kind of. Oh, okay. He's the oh, guy I who is. But that, in, so... in the opening sequence, he is the guy who is burying the money, and it was just.
0: Oh, uh, Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah no so he is and I didn't even notice him he's he's like one of the is he one of the kind of I guess he's a culty
0: person yeah Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting yeah so there you go there's another reason to watch it because Jason's one of my favourite characters (laughs) Jerry Um, from Parks
1: and Rec also shows up in it apropos of nothing which i was surprised out does Drew
0: Goddard have something to do with Parks and Rec or something? I don't think so no Uh, okay (laughs) Okay, so yeah, bad times at the El Royale. I highly recommend it. I loved it. We loved it. Yeah, cool. So that's it for... Oh, well, I guess you can talk to us places if you'd like to or um, rate us on any of the places. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a thumbs up or a star or whatever the rating system is on your thing because it's it's really nice to know if people like it. Um, And you can chat to us on our places, Argue the Cast, at Argue the Cast on Twitter. We're at GameIndustry.com um and all the podcast places like soundcloud um um, uh what, what are the other ones spotify itunes and all those places
1: all the places yeah
0: all the places we're in all the places so um let us know if you enjoyed it or if there's any other recommendations any things that you'd like us to talk about that would be good. So we don't have to think of things ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> that would be helpful. <laughs> so do that. Um, yeah. So um, one of the cool things that I read in was the three films that they looked at as um, really closely, which um, people might be interested in because uh, I haven't seen two of them. So one of them was Barton Fink, I uh, which I well c- oh okay it's it's really great, and I can see that for the the sort of like darker aspects of the hotel how they've taken that um the other one was called Clute um which is with um Jane Fonda. It looks like a really cool like taut thriller. Um, from the I think 70s I think. But I had right. a quick look up and I was like, oh that looks good. It looks like a film I need to see. And the other one um, that they used a lot for the sort of um, the sort of nighttime shots and those sort of you know the sort of splashes of red neon and stuff is one from The Heart, which is a Coppola film, Francis Ford Coppola okay. film. And I had a look at the trailer and it looks amazing and. Uh, just like totally unique and i've never heard of it and it looks like it's a sort of romantic drama thing Mm. but it looks like it has kind of dance sequences and stuff in it so it looks like i I think possibly an influence on la la land and Mm. it just looks beautiful and has all this neon and kind of like vegas nighttime shots and stuff um yeah so those are um three films that might be good if uh you like that kind of thing or you like to look at people's influences so yeah i think i'll be trying to check those out yeah Put, putting them on my to... <laughs> <laughs> Your
1: to watch list.
0: yes exactly so yeah i just thought i'd throw that in there before we go yeah yeah and, I think. and then so until next time drew
1: cheerio